one of my deep passions in life is to see people gathered together. If I can have a hand in organizing that, great. Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Will Chernoff, and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. This show is an ongoing, open-ended conversation series with folks who make their community fun and prosperous. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to follow this feed wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today works for Music Heals, which is a charitable organization that advocates for music therapy. Her title is campaign event coordinator, but she's also a musician. I'm excited to learn about her work in the nonprofit arts sector and her creative life. You can find Music Heals at musicheals.ca, and you can listen to her voice on the track called Still Warm by Francis Henson, featuring the Shorties, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, and Trent Otter. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Cindy Dietison. Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So... I thought about doing this episode when Music Heals came to the Fort Langley Jazz Festival where I was performing. What were you doing there at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival on behalf of Music Heals? Because you were there. Yes. This past summer, Music Heals kind of partnered with a bunch of local festivals, Fort Langley Jazz Fest being one of them, in an effort to raise some funds for both our organizations. We were there during the whole festival doing some artist interviews to ask them what music meant to them, how they've witnessed the healing power of music in their lives. And then we were just on site raising awareness and selling some t-shirts and collecting donations and being in the community. So who were those artists that you talked to? Oh man, I got to talk with Dee Daniels, who is just a gem of a human, and Don Pemberton, who's a great friend of our charity, actually. Red Haven, which is a really fun group. Exile the Band. Vince Mai, Thad nice. Bailey Mai's dad, our friend Thad. And then we kind of got this half hour program in the Sunday show because Sunday was the gospel inspirational program where we almost ran a little bit of a telethon in the middle of Don's performance and Dee's performance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about November 2021 because for some reason, this was a big month, not only for Music Heals, but also for the organization that I used to work with, which yeah. is North Shore Celtic Ensemble. Okay, cool. November is a big month for them because they do their annual theater shows right. in November. So what did Music Heals do in November 2021? On the 25th, we hosted our first event back from COVID, which sounds surreal to say. It was a dim sum social. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it was a 300-person luncheon fundraiser at Flota Seafood Restaurant in Chinatown. It's something that got whipped up really quickly. Less than two months ago, it was kind of an idea that our board president had, and here we are. <laughs> yeah. And I know that you came to record the Rhythm Changes podcast with me straight out of the Music Heals office, which mm -hmm. is in Kitsilano. Yes. So... Yeah. What do your days look like while you're in that office? It's quite flexible, actually. It's also just nice to have an office to go to. You know, working from home is nice for some, not nice for others. Couldn't really tell you what I do day to day because I kind of do a smattering of things. Yeah. But it's mostly to do with the event logistics of things still, you know, event planning and coordinating and talking to vendors and suppliers. 
that I'm also very much in tune with the music therapy community and just checking in with them, getting their approvals on certain things, you know, certain messaging or just getting updates from them on what's happening in their community, in the community of BC at least. Coordinating funds when we have funds to give or coordinating fundraisers to direct funds to those programs, admin and some graphic design (laughs) and some web development. So it's kind of a smorgasbord. Yeah. That makes me wonder if you have a direct hand in that social media side as well, too. Is that another thing that you do? No, that's the one thing I don't really touch because we have a lovely human that does that, our communications coordinator. I do like curate the content. So the series is like music makes me and, you know, we ask the artists to complete the sentence. Music makes me blank. And usually, you know, you get the music makes me happy or music makes me relax. But then you sometimes get these really profound musings from artists that you really wouldn't weren't expecting from just three words um but we also ask like how have you seen the power of music change your life or change someone's life that you know and and then we kind of yeah sometimes we'll take those and promote like a fundraising campaign or it's just to say hey we did this thing and here's what artists had to say about the healing power of music here you go (laughs) yeah i thought about music makes me The simplest way that I would answer it for myself would be that music makes me be social because if I think back to before I was a musician, which was when I was a young teenager, before I started playing any instrument at all and before I showed up at high school and joined my music community there, I was really not very social. Mm. I was a gamer. I had a couple of friends who I saw all the time and not too many other friends right. and not many other friends who had different kind of interests. But sure. then when I started playing music, then I met a ton more people and I had an excuse to be social with all those people. And then I made friends with some of them on another level too, where we explore other interests together. And yeah. I just don't know when that would have happened for me, if not for music, like it might've taken longer. It's hard to say, but I thank music for letting me be social from a young age. That's a really good point because music therapy is kind of used in that aspect as well. Like a lot of the times people ask me, well, what is music therapy, right? And, and I am not the, you know, the end-all be-all advocate for music therapy because I'm not a music therapist myself, but I am connected to the community and I hear the stories and I see, I witness it happening. But a lot of it for younger kids is social skills or it's, you know, how to interact with in a group setting if you have never done that before or have never been presented the opportunity to or the tools to. It's it's a way to get over the anxieties of day-to-day interactions and focus on the collaborative effort that is music making to then kind of yield other relationships outside of music. Yeah. Like I really like doing those community events like the Fort Langley Jazz Festival because it gives me the opportunity to just nerd out about it. And funnily enough, I almost went into music therapy when I was going into music school. Um, that was like my intention because I I had gone to school for psychology and I thought I was going to be a counselor or a therapist or something in that respect. And then I kind of shifted and thought, music, music like I still need to do something with music. And then I found music therapy and I thought, oh, the best of both worlds. But then as I got into the music program, I kind of had to stay and like do the music (laughs) on its own um but I still have a very special place in my heart for music therapy because of that first interest um and now that I work with music therapists you know kind of adjacent to music therapists it's uh it's a great pleasure to talk about what they do yeah Mm -hmm. I want to talk about Capilano University then because Mm. like many guests on the podcast we met through that community yeah but I'm not exactly sure 
how it is you ended up there and how you made the choice to get there, let alone what happened next. I, so I, after high school, I went straight to SFU, Simon Fraser University, for psychology. As most people do, they kind of take psychology as this, like, I don't know, I'll take psychology, maybe. <laughs> um, and I really did not like it there. It was too big of a school. I felt just, like, very lost. I remember um, chatting with my old choir teacher from, from high school because we had stayed in touch, and she had said, why don't you do music? Like, why aren't you doing music? Why aren't you studying music? And I kind of thought, you're right, I should probably give it a go. <laughs> Having been in, like, three choirs and three bands, you know, all through high school. So then I just looked up programs, and obviously Capilano came highly recommended. And I had actually, re like, previously worked with Rajan Marois, who, who was one of the professors in... Um, BC Honor Choir. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you um, went to high school in Langley, right? I did. I went to Walnut Grove Secondary. Yeah. Anyway, so through all that, I got the audition later. And then I got in by some some will. Um, and then I did a year and then I kind of chickened out. <laughs> and I shifted gears a little. I didn't chicken out, but I just thought, you know what? Maybe this isn't what I want to do right now. So then I shifted gears and I did an event diploma. Worked in events for a little bit, did the like corporate temping lifestyle, tried that out a little, and then realized no music is actually still calling me. And then I went back to Cafalano and finished my degree. Right on. No, yeah. if anybody chickened out after one year, we know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was, I remember, and Dean, my partner Dean will testify to this, of like, I just thought like, if I don't want to be here, and I, I don't know why I don't want to be here, but I just know that right now I don't. And there was not a particular reason. It was just like really hard, of course, really challenging stuff for me, at least for my musical level. And I didn't have enough, I think, self-assurance and self-awareness to be able to move past that. I just thought, this is challenging. I'm no good. I need to leave. And it honestly was the best thing I could have done for myself because it gave me that space that, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So wow. then I thought, okay, now I've had this space and I like what I'm doing in events but I still miss music. Yeah. And then I went back and now, you know, all of my closest friendships are from that place, Capilano, and all the skills I've gained. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It all works out. So did you already have a passion for events before you made that little sideways move into events? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe I did. I wasn't aware of it. Um, nice. I was always very like into organizing parties. That's such a funny thing to say because that's what most people think is like, oh, so you like party planning. It's like, sure. But I, for me, my, one of my deep passions in life is to see people gathered together. And so if I can have a hand in organizing that, great. I honestly did like a career test and it was like wedding oh. planner or like management, like project management. And so I thought, okay, let's give event planning a shot and yeah. Huh. So weddings are funny because they're wrapped up in musicians' lives too. I know when Will Clements was on, we were joking around about what makes a wedding gig good. We agreed that it was being fed that made a <laughs> wedding gig good. So you've probably been involved in planning people's weddings, yeah. playing music at them, yes. or perhaps both. Actually both, yeah. only once, but yes. I'll ask you what I asked Will pretty much. What makes a good, well-planned wedding event that makes people happy? And avoid stress. What have you noticed? 
I think it depends what whose perspective you're speaking from. Because yeah. for me, for the two people getting married or the people getting That's married. That's the perspective that matters, right? Yes. I always say, if you don't want to stick to tradition, if you don't want to do what you, you know, you don't want to do, we'll work towards that. And at the end of the day, it's the two of you saying, hey, friends and family, hey, people that, you know, made a difference in our lives. Come and be with us as we say, yep, this is the person I'm choosing and I want you to be there to celebrate with me. And whatever that looks like to the two of you is what we're going to do. And of course, there's family and friends and people's opinions and everything that always go into it. But I always try and kind of focus on what they want. And so I've planned, you know, weddings for most of our friends that have gotten married, which is really a delight, um, that have looked like the traditional, you know, ceremony in a church or or some sort of scenic space and then reception in a hall or it's looked like a jazz jam in a studio that I found on this open space and I catered it kind of I ordered all the food and we just heated it up in the oven and it was like it was the best so it really is (laughs) the best thing about weddings is what the two people emanate and like you know the setting that takes place from these two people and their love for each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you are working with music heels, what have you learned about what makes those things good and happy for everybody? I mean, food is a big part of it, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I think food is such a common of course. denominator, you know? Yeah. If, if you're well-fed, like, the rest is kind of up Stay to you. Hydrated. <laughs> Stay hydrated. <laughs> Definitely the the vibe. I mean, there's not really a better word for it, but the vibe, like... For, so for this dim sum event that we just planned, you know, my coworker Taryn is kind of the visionary when it comes to designing these events. And she was saying, like, I want it to feel like you've walked into, like, a Shanghai nightclub. That's and a vibe. That's a vibe. And But it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Huh. <laughs> so how do we do that? Well, then we put into all the elements of, you know, lighting and pipe and drape and all these things. Um, so you start with, like, the vibe. And then you kind of just fill in the blanks. Of, like, okay, what kind of food would be served there? What kind of cocktails? What kind of furniture what kind of plateware like all of these little elements that help to make you aware but unaware you know like you walk into a room and you think whoa what is this but you don't realize that it's because of all those nitpicky elements that you're feeling this vibe yeah that's the best thing about events i think is like being able to dream and scheme and then see it come to life yeah you talked about coworkers. i want to ask you about somebody who i know is one of your good friends and who i think you've also worked with a little bit somebody you probably also finds himself in a lot of wedding situations and is contributing to the vibe. And uh, what is it like working with Steph Townsend? Oh, Steph. (laughs) I was like, for music heels? No, I love Steph. Hi, Steph, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, she's done photos for me. Yeah. uh, Steph is one of my soul sisters, I would say. She and I met early on in my Capilano days, Oh, she's a dream. She, you know, what the most important thing too is like you can be as professional as professional can be. But if you don't know how to adjust your energy to the people that you're trying to work with, Steph is such a great person for that. She is able to just meet a person where they're at in their comfort level. You know, whether someone like is so shy and doesn't want to pose and doesn't want to do anything. She has this amazing way of making them so feel so comfortable and then getting these like beautiful photos that capture their energy and their essence without making them feel forced or uncomfortable yeah props to Steph. yeah props to Steph. yeah so what can you tell me about half pace co oh goodness 
So Half Pace Coat was a project love child of uh, Steph and her friend Louisa. And I kind of came in at the 11th hour and just said, hey, what can I do to help slash contribute? Um, but it was basically this, it started as this uh, online zine uh, that the two of them created during quarantine. And they managed to create 12 issues, I believe, um, of just this like cool zine where anyone could submit a submission. And there were these prompts every month and these themes every month, whether related to the pandemic or not, that they decided on and then it was kind of just like anyone who wants to submit a story or a photo or a funny joke or a drawing whatever it was they would consider it and then put it in the scene and it really I mean those two know so many creative people in all different fields that it just turned into these beautiful little issues and I was grateful to be part of it for a little bit in the end of like editing and, and submitting my pieces currently I think it's on pause just to kind of well the world kind of reopened right and so then all the projects that we had during quarantine either also expanded or they kind of put were put on the shelf as well so right now i don't think there's anything going on with half pace but um but it was basically this idea of just like community collaboration creativity authenticity and conversation Right on. Yeah. Sounds good to me. (laughs) So I want to ask you about some of the groups in your musical life. Perfect. (laughs) The first one is from Catalano University. It's one of the ensembles within the program. And it's probably the most unique and perhaps one of the student favorites. And I just don't know how many people know about this group if they're not super plugged into this small little Catalano University community. But I think what it does and the kind of music it approaches is worth sharing to more and more people. And I enjoyed seeing it in concert a couple of times. And I think it really took off kind of during our time there as one of the most exciting cap jazz projects. Yeah. So talk about Narwhal. Narwhal. Oh, what a great time. Narwhal was the best. <laughs> um, so Narwhal was this vocal instrument ensemble at Capilano where it was just... Whoever was interested, really, and and kind of whoever the director, Jared, thought maybe would, or instrumentation-wise, what he thought might fit. Um, And fit is a funny word, (laughs) because I think in my years there, we had, like, eight vocalists, a clarinet, a piano player, an organ player, two drummers, two bassists. I think maybe we had three bassists at one point. I don't even remember. (laughs) That's getting dangerous. Yeah, it was, um, and then it was just, like, a lot of non-traditionally what you would call jazz repertoire. So we did um, a lot of like music from different cultures. Um, We did this lovely project with Sarah Kim, another local musician called the Watermill Project, which everyone should check out, uh, where we got to play some of her arrangements for um, Korean folk tunes. And then we did some like Indian Carnatic music. We did some like R&B and pop and Motown arrangements at one point. We did some Charles Ives, like, and we did some improvised film scores. It was honestly one of the best experiences for me as someone who was traditionally like a vocal jazz kid and like only read the music on the sheet to to be pushed in um, experimenting with what my voice could do in those settings and like make music in a way that wasn't just singing prettily. Yeah, you Um, had to think and you had to deliver some more kind of different energy 
Right. Yeah, like I ended up making the weirdest sounds I've ever made. Oh yeah, I mean, as a vocalist, yeah, as a vocalist, and it way. was honestly so much fun, and it opened up a different side of my personality, a different like outlook on music and what music is and what musicking is. I can't, yeah, I can't speak yeah. higher about Narwhals, and the people made it so fun too. I forgot about the violinists. There were also two violinists. Right, that is an unusual. I'm sorry, thing. <laughs> I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Now, I was looking for other kind of ensembles that you were part of around this kind of 2018, 2019. One of the other ones that I saw, and I definitely uh, didn't catch this one, so I'm not even sure right now what it sounds like, but I know what it was called. What was the Sounding Sky Quintet? <laughs> it was very short-lived. Okay. Um, so basically in, in my fourth year, we were kind of encouraged to present shows at Presentation House Theater at the Ann McDonald Studio um, as just like practice to say, hey, put on your own project. Myself and, a, and Sydney and a couple of other people, we were kind of curating the series at Presentation House. Uh, we were leading like the Leading Ladies series, which was just like featuring women in music in the local community. And I thought maybe I'll have a show too and I'll put together an ensemble and I'll feature some original music and kind of take a crack at it. And so it was my my little quintet of two guitars, a violin, upright bass, and myself and some of my original compositions. And honestly, it was just an excuse to play with some of my best friends in the program. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned Sydney Tuff in there, so mm -hmm. now let's talk about the shorties because the yeah. shorties is you and Sydney Tuff and Kaya Kurtz, right? Yeah. And, uh, that might have started around the same time too, right? But that's still active now. Yes. That band, I think, was like summer of 2018 or maybe 2017. It's been a long time coming for sure. And it was just like, hey, let's sing together and let's, you know, just do some three-part like folk tunes and see what happens. And then we did a little house concert at Kaya's and it was well received. And then we started doing some videos and recordings and yeah, it's still kind of this lovely little project band. Um, and we're trying to get some things recorded in the new year. So hopefully we can have more material, more content uh, then. But it honestly is one of my saving graces for being so busy with, with a nine to five, not really having the energy or the um, the dismissal of my crippling anxiety <laughs> to work <laughs> on my own projects. It's a nice, like, not excuse, but nice. Uh, a refuge. That's oh, the word. Oh, that's Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a like nice it. refuge for me to be reminded that I like making music and I oh, like good. making music with people. Yeah. And those two are lovely. I'm lovely sure they people. feel the same way. Yeah. 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 We also just like eat food, drink wine, sing a little, you know, it's just a, it's yeah. a good hang. It's too. not just for public facing events for internal things like rehearsals. You got to make sure everybody's well fed too, to keep oh, them yeah. happy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up on this track with Francis and Trent? What was the impetus for that? Yeah. Francis honestly just reached out, um, to the shorties and he said, Hey, do you want to be background vocals on this? And we, th we said, yeah, of course. And then we kind of workshopped some things over the internet because it was still quarantine days. And we managed to do a little bit of satellite recording, but then we kind of just did, you know, distanced in my house, in my little like music room. We recorded the parts, sent them over to Francis, and then he made his magic. And yeah, yeah. yeah. it was great. And to connect that to Half Pace, then I kind of created this little like 
community music video, which is just like shots of, I just basically asked my friends and then the half pace community to submit videos of them with their partners or their dogs or their friends uh, dancing to the tune. And then we just kind of stitched it together in this cute little collage video. So very much a community based project. Yeah. You know, head headed by someone who is very community minded like Francis and totally. Yeah. There's one more kind of project. It's not a musical ensemble, but this is the last project that I really wanted to ask you about. And if you can believe it, I never got to go there. This venue happened during those years where I was out. And so I heard about this place and it had a short life. I'm not exactly sure how long. You can let me know, but it's called Tiny Vic. So talk about this venue. That's such a great... It brings up such warm memories for me. Um, So Tiny Vic... Uh, short for Tiny Victories, uh, was, again, another project that I didn't start, but I was, you know, I just liked the people and I liked what it was. And I said, hey, can I come and help? So it was with Sarah Kim, who I mentioned earlier, Nina Soro, check her out on Spotify. She's amazing. Um, And our dear late friend, Natasha D'Agostino, who um, the three like powerhouse vocalists from Capilano, who I looked up to so much and they wanted to just start a vocal jazz series um in the dominion is it called the dominion building anyways where the gold saucer series happens that's the same room yeah um and it was i think we ended up doing in total eight or nine shows spread out i think within like a six month period where we just did sliding scale tickets and it was featuring vocalists and their projects. And yeah, we just invited people to come. We sold some beers. It was really lovely and casual, but also special and magical. And yeah, I have some really lovely memories from that time. And I, I just helped coordinate the logistics of the day. Really. I just helped count cash and make sure that there was beer in the fridge. And (laughs) sometimes we sold merch from other like local creatives and that was fun to organize. But yeah, Yeah. mostly I was just there to help do anything. I just wanted to be in the room to be with those people. And Nice. That just makes me wonder like, well, how are we going to get the next Tiny Vic? What was actually the first thing that allowed it to happen? I know you said you weren't directly involved in starting it, but do you remember anything about what made it possible right at the beginning? I think, I think it was the space. I yeah. think Sarah hadn't known someone who was connected to it or something like, I think, but for me, I think that's important is like space in any kind of, by any definition. Yeah. Physical space or mental space or financial space. If that, if we can think of it like that, I think that is a great starting point for anyone to, to just be presented the opportunity to say, oh, I can think about that or, oh, there's a place for me to dream, to execute something. That's great. Like, I think all of us as creatives, musicians or others, we have little like daydreams of, you know, projects that come up all the time. I feel like sometimes the the thought of, oh, but where are we going to do it? Or who's going to do it? Or who's going to pay for it? All those things kind of start, you know, collapsing on top of us and then we stop thinking about it for a little bit and then it comes up again and then we go oh but where are we going to do it so I think being offered a space or being offered room to muse about it is so important and like for me it I keep my eye on on those those spaces if you will or the people who could provide the space 
I'm always aware that like that is the first stumbling block, especially in this city. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Space is important. <laughs> it definitely speaks to why you're such a great fit for Music Heals because you have a feel for this sort of thing and it's something that matters to you. And so you seek it out and you try and do that stuff. And the mission of Music Heals is probably somewhat similar to that, right? Or it wants the same overall thing. Yeah, well, we basically all we want to do is put on some amazing events with some amazing artists, um, get people feeling the power of music and then say, hey, imagine what you're feeling, but for the kid who's waiting for surgery in a hospital bed or for the 80-year-old woman who hasn't remembered her husband's name in years but has heard her wedding song and now knows, oh, that's my husband. You know, like that's kind of our mission is to say music is powerful. And we all know music is powerful, but did you know it was healing? And it is healing. and would you like to help us raise more awareness about that and get some more programs funded? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So we've acknowledged that it's hard to do this in Vancouver these days. And yet you're working full time at a place that is on this mission and you've been doing stuff for several years on your own and with your friends that, that is on it as well. So like, where do you want this to take you from now on, like, do you want to keep doing this here? Do you want to stay here? Or do you want to explore it in a different place? What are you thinking? That is a great question. I don't even know if I've really given myself the time or space, huh? Back to space uh, to think about that. But I think for me, like this vision I have for my life is to still be hopefully brave enough and strong enough to be pursuing my own creative projects because I think that's a stumbling block of my life is I never allow myself to really give myself that chance unless it's with other people. I hope that that's happening and I also hope that I can be at the forefront of creating space for creatives and artists and people who need a place to say something important to give a megaphone to people's voices who've been squashed who've been silenced so I don't know what that looks like in terms of like how I make my money <laughs> how I pay the bills but I feel like if I keep running towards that then I can find it and and what I have right now is is really like I'm very grateful to be where I am doing what I do and being so close to that you know to like to it if you will <laughs> <laughs> to what it is that I want to do um but who knows? I don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, None of us do, but... It's pretty good, though. That's yeah, just... Bad, to, I don't... And all, it's going to change, I'm sure, and life's going to change, and... Yeah. But to, to hopefully keep running towards that, like, mission statement in my life is just cultivating community and creating space for good things to happen. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I want to close with one other little thing. This is also going to throw it back... A couple of years, and this is also a Capilano related thing. You got the chance to meet one of my musical heroes, and I know that your partner Dean Teeson also got the chance to collaborate with her a little bit in a school setting. And it's somebody who I wrote an article about once earlier this year when I was talking about how if you know who your audience is and you know that what you're doing is right for them, and you've demonstrated that, and your work is so solid and of such high quality that you stand out among everybody, you can do whatever you want. And like, you can say, I don't want my music on Spotify or YouTube. I want to sell it all my own way, which would be absurd for most people. But you can do that and you can do other things when 
you know your audience so truly and that's kind of a ticket to a certain kind of creative freedom and that article was called Maria Schneider's Whales and so what is Maria Schneider like I want to know I honestly didn't spend much time getting to so this is a funny story about Maria so I that was the year that I got the opportunity to audition for Nightcap which was the ensemble that was going to be working with Maria and I didn't get into Nightcap and it crushed me because I have admired Maria since high school Honestly, it was Rajan. So I did honor choir for two years in high school, and Rajan introduced us to Maria through a workshop that we did with him. And I just, I was just like in awe of this sonic masterpiece that she had written. So I had been a fan of Maria since high school, and I heard that she was coming in to be able to sing her songs. Wow, what an amazing opportunity! And I didn't get into Nightcap, and I was crushed. But it also led me to Narwhal, and led me into this other space of like, oh, I can create in different ways and channel this into challenging myself to be bold and different. So that's a side story. So this, I guess I just wanted to share that to say like, even if you don't get that gig, even if you don't get that opportunity, you will find other ways to fulfill your needs and to steward your creativity. Absolutely. So I didn't really get to work with her, but Dean, so Dean, my husband, uh, who is a composer and piano player, he got to present one of his original compositions big band compositions in front of her and she got to like mentor him a little bit and I have this funny picture of she's got the blondest hair right so I have this funny picture of him and her and she's kind of leaning and she's just like glowing (laughs) and I can tell that he's just living for it he's just he's it's the best moment um but what I remember just watching their interaction was that she was just I don't know. She just kind of floats above it all. She kind of just like, she knows the career she's built. She knows how hard she works. She knows the integrity of her music. Somehow she kind of just like skirts above it all and doesn't make you feel like she's too good for you. Doesn't make you feel like she's removed, but somehow she still is like untouchable almost because she just stands her ground and says, I believe in my music. I believe in it being accessed how I want it to be accessed. and. I'm not going anywhere. And it's like, wow, okay, (laughs) great. And of course, I think that we have to take that, I don't know, with a grain of salt because she has made a name for herself from an era where you could make a name for yourself doing what she does, right? So obviously it's a different level, but still she's just, she's a queen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) seven Grammy Awards, I think. Yeah, her energy like radiates around her and I, I needed that boost for sure. Well, I also got a great dose of energy from talking with you here today on this fine evening. So thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the feed yet, make sure you do. And think about your friends who might enjoy listening too. Tell them to search for the Rhythm Changes podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. <laughs>